1: Hey Ramble fam, Andy here with quite possibly the coolest Ramble Meets guest we've ever welcomed to the pod. Ryan Barbel chatted to me late last year about his amazing career that's taken him from his native Netherlands to Turkey, Spain, Germany, and perhaps most famously, Liverpool. I also quizzed him and he was more than happy to engage about him being big in the Dutch rap game.
2: Just smash it away, and Babel will chase. And Babel is lightning. And Babel could be away here. This could wrap it up. Liverpool are in the semis again. They are simply unstoppable in Europe.
0: It's given by it Munnar, and Babel. and Babel? What a
2: big moment for Fulham! An enormous moment for Babel. The one that he doesn't want really to celebrate against his old club. Taking on Giggs. He tries to hold him back. It's fallen for counts Bevel. Goal. Super sub. Ryan Bevel. Does
1: it. Hello Ramblers, Andy here, and we've got a great guest for you today. Not just a great guest for a Ramble meet, but someone who would be great for Luke's game. Uh, when we get into it, you'll know why. Uh, it's Ryan Barbel, everyone, uh, which, who I was very excited to speak about. He's got an autobiography out at the moment, which is not a written autobiography, But a rap album of an autobiography called The Autobiography, um, obviously. It's fantastic. It takes you through his feelings about his career, current issues... It's really terrific and I know about hip-hop so I know. Um, give it a listen but also um, I hope you enjoy the next uh, 40 minutes or so. Ryan's very effusive and interesting on his uh, very career which is really a number of careers smashed into one. Something for everyone in this one I think. This is Ramble Meets Ryan Barbel. So um, Ryan congratulations on the autobiography. What gave you the idea in the first place, tell our listeners to, rather than write an autobiography, do an audio one.
3: Okay, so um, this is a time where I uh, was in Ajax uh, a few years ago on loan, and mm. then we experienced the very first lockdown. Um, at this time, of course, we didn't know how long the lockdown would take place. Um, I remember uh, being home, have no training, um, Really, nothing going on. And then um, I got approached by a Dutch journalist who asked me if I wanted to start the process by writing an autobiography. Since, um, yeah, you know, he was uh, familiar with me and know that, you know, my journey was quite interesting. And he was like, hey, you know, I should mm-hmm. think of maybe, you know, start, you know, doing this process. It maybe will take a year because you will have really tried to go in depth and think and go back on, you know, how you lived um, all those years from the beginning. Um, so I was like, nah, you know, I feel like it's too early. I'm not ready yet. Um, you know, I, I was by nowhere near thinking of, you know, if, if I think about autobiography, I'm thinking about, oh, my, my career is ending, but I, by nowhere near have that feeling yet. So I was like, nah, it's, it's too early. Um, however, I, I did got inspired, uh, by the whole concept. Um, and I was like, Hey, you know, I have nothing to do. And, um, I was like, why don't I, why don't I take the concept of the autobiography and try to, to translate it into uh, yeah, music format. So, um, I reached out to a few of my music friends. I, 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 I broke down the concept and they were like, Hey, you know, this is brilliant. You know, nobody did it ever before like that. And, uh, if you do it right, yeah, it can definitely be some special. So yeah, that's where the idea came from.
1: So just to let people know if they weren't aware music's not a new thing for you you've been involved right. in music for a, 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 very, a very long time and in hip-hop for a very long time right um when you were a teenager was it sort of football and hip-hop fighting for for, for space in, in your head and your life or did they coexist quite happily
3: yeah i think i mean they, they coexist uh, i mean obviously people know me uh, uh, mostly for football but before I became professional, I already had a life, right? I I I, I was mm. a young kid growing up. And in my culture, uh, music was always a thing. Uh, in school, I always used to play in school bands. You know, I always had a good uh, uh, ear for music. And um, so it was already part of me, you know, part of many kids' life. And then I was just one of those kids. And, and at the end, okay, I was fortunate to become a football player. But music... Uh, uh yeah you know I kept music there right Um, so yeah that's where I guess you know the music always uh, stayed a part of, of, of my life
1: So Ryan there's always a footballer who takes charge of the music in the dressing room was that always you?
3: Not always but I definitely try to have influences Um, you know um, <laughs> of course if you are in a dressing room with uh, like uh, you know the likes of Stephen Gerrard and Jamie Carragher and you know, uh, they don't really let uh, the music box uh, get controlled by a twenty-year-old 20 who's, you know, comes uh, was new. But um, yeah, here and there, I, I was able to to slip my music taste uh, in between the the playlist.
1: So, uh, hip hop and Dutch football has always been kind of a thing because it's it's, it's not just been you. Yeah. Um, Memphis is is a, is a keen artist as well. You had uh, Royston Drenter yeah. in, the, in the past who who loved to rap it's not really something we see is it footballers crossing over into music that much and you know you're very well traveled you know lots of footballers from all over the world do, yeah. do you have a sense of like how unique that is that relationship between dutch football and hip-hop and why do you think that is
3: i mean i guess for us it's 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 quite normal but yeah if you definitely take a step back and look around it i mean i feel like if you look in the uk uk has a great uh musical hip-hop culture as well but Mm. i'm not sure if there's a football player who does uh, music if i'm wrong um so i mean you know potentially you know you could have had uh, footballers in the uk um also being involved and 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 and, you know uh uh, make some great stuff uh but for us dutch uh guys like we don't see it as us footballers crossing over it's like like i tried to explain it's already a part of us and we feel like it's normal Mm. Uh, we are already kind of accepted it by the culture and by the, the, the by the, the, the music, uh, uh, you know, industry and friends. And then now it's just, you know, one of those things like, okay, you know, we, we keep doing what we've been doing before, but since we're now, you know, uh, uh, have more, uh, you know, since we now are, are known for football, yeah, people, it's new to people like, oh my God, like a football player doing music, it seems different. Um, I guess, you know. That's
1: how it is. I mean, do you, do you get any pushback from that? Because I think the sense is what you were saying about not a lot of um, UK footballers maybe going into music, for example. There is a sense that this is what you do. Stay in your lane. We see you as, as, as this. Do, do you experience any of that when you started to bring out music?
3: Actually, in the beginning, yeah. When I was, uh, when I was uh, younger, when I started putting out music, when I was uh, 19, 20 years of age, um, I did a few things where I was, of course, involved uh, in, in, in music video and in and, and some, you know, some type of freestyle um, session. And uh, yeah, even though it were only, you know, like a handful of things that I put out at that time it was nothing serious. It was also recorded in my summer holiday. Um, mm. It got received it got perceived as in that I was constantly in busy in music and that I could by nowhere concentrate on football. So the media was portraying mm-hmm. me like, like, Oh, he's, 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 he's not concentrating on football. And then fans believed it and jumped on it. And then I got criticized. So, you know, the, the last thing I wanted was, um, having the wrong perception about that. So I took a step back and stopped uh, being involved with music and on the forefront um after that i asked myself okay well you know it's i'm still a human uh football players besides football they have a hobby some play some players yeah. uh, like to do playstation all day some players yeah. like to go out some players like to go party and i like to make music in my spare time right so i was like how can i stay involved without it f- uh, backfiring on me um that's where in 2009 when i was actually in liverpool i started um, a music company and i was more focused on actually um finding talent than me being on the forefront, uh, as a, yeah, artist, artist. Um, and that's where also, yeah. Now the business side came, uh, you know, looking around the corner, I had to learn, uh, music contracts. I had to learn how the music business was working and, and, and that was a interesting journey, you know, meeting the right people who could, uh, mentor me and explain how, you know, things, you know, were were working and, and, uh, yeah. I'm still uh, involved uh, today in in the music business. Do
1: do you think that sense um, that people thought you should maybe be concentrating on football at the beginning was because you're at a big club like Ajax, where every time you drop a point in the Eredivisie, it's a massive big deal?
3: No, for sure. I mean, now that I'm older, I I totally understand, you know, uh, where the criticism came from. However, I think, you know, football players should be just, just for his performance, right? I feel like, in general, I mean, it's not something that I think will be changed very quick, but, you know, I feel like football players are being lifted by other people, by the media, you know? Hmm. Uh, I remember back in the days, Twitter times, also during Liverpool time, if I would put a tweet out after a certain time, let's say after eleven p.m., I got a lot of reactions like, Why aren't you sleeping? Mm. You should be training. So I was like, Oh shit, like <laughs> I cannot be on social media after a, a certain time anymore. Like so, you know, we were really being lived by other people. And 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 obviously by the time I got more clever and intelligent and knew how I, you know, could use it to to my advantage. But at the same time, you know, people need to realize, like, you know, we're also human, you know, sometimes we get Two days off from football, and then mm. you know we just maybe want to stay an hour up later than usual. Um, but uh, no, I definitely understand the criticism in the beginning, especially if you're in like 1920. You know, you, you you just started out, and you should be full hunger for football.
1: But at that age, it seemed like you already really had your head screwed on. I mean, you know, there's no denying what pressure there is at a, a, a club like that. But you've talked about how when you signed your first big contract, um, your parents made you put loads of it away in a yeah. savings account. And or did you have an allowance or or something like that?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... Um... I was fortunate, uh, of course, to to earn my very first contract. Uh, at that time, it was, for me, already a, a big, big deal. Um, I think yeah. um, the first contract, which was considered still a youth contract, but um, it was like like 15K euros a month, which was a mm. massive big deal for a 17-year-old. Um, however, my, my parents opened a separate account for me and they allowed me 1,000 euros a month, right? Because I was still living at home. Mm. Uh, they were like, you have no expenses, so obviously you're not going to need all that money. So we're going to save that for you. You have an allowance from uh, 1,000 euros and make sure that they, th- they taught me about using the 1,000 euros. And then from that 1,000 euros, I had to learn also saving. So they were like, put 500 euros away and then live off 500 euros, right? So now after a few months, I had a lot of 500 euros saved. And now with that, I could maybe buy something once you know and and, and that's how they taught me discipline about money management um, very early on so yeah you know that was a good lesson
1: I mean how hard do you think it is for for young players especially now because we want to spot the next big young thing earlier and earlier Uh, I think because football's more athletic generally it, it is sort of built towards younger players yeah so how hard do you think it is for them and how much need do you think there is for advice in that sort of situation maybe from the clubs
3: yeah no it's very i think it's very very necessary and um it's very hard um you know um even me even though i came up from a, a good household i still remember actually uh, um uh, the first time that i was 100 uh, uh, percent um in control of over my account was when i made that move to liverpool because now it was Mm. a uk bank account right not a dutch one um and and now obviously my parents kept reminding me like hey ryan i hope you're not doing any stupid you know and of course (laughs) you know i I had my parents constantly in my head but at the same time it was i had more freedom now and and yes i had Mm. my experiences with making mistakes um so yeah i can imagine you know uh, you have also a lot of players who didn't really had a good household and now they're left with all the responsibility very early on and then yeah you know you they're going to make mistakes so definitely um i think it's very important you know uh, they understand and learn financial literacy and understand what means what money actually is and and how powerful it can be and how you can use it to your advantage but also you know they need to learn the, the other side of it how it can 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 fire back and harm you if you use it the wrong way
1: i mean you've said doing this autobiography the concept felt weird at the beginning because you, you don't feel like you're at the end you feel like there's more to go but having said that at 34 it's like you've lived several football lives it's almost as if your right. career is a combination of three or four different careers you packed so much in there you must have had to look back at it a little bit while you were while you were putting together this album so how do you look back at it now and all the twists and turns it's had
3: I definitely think a lot of ups and downs Um, at the end of the day. I also think, um, yeah, in, in, in the way, in terms of the potential that I had that what people described, you know, I think definitely I could have done way much more maybe with my potential. Um, At the same time, I believe, it was a lot of different factors why I maybe didn't really fulfill the potential. And, and, and it had to do, of course, with guidance, with, with, with mentorship. Um, I felt there was a lack of um, support in certain areas where I felt like, okay, you know, if, if, if this coach or coaching staff would maybe put in a little bit more effort and trying to help me through this process, maybe I could have realized it earlier, mm. you know. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I think I look back at, at uh, you know, uh, a great career still. And, and I still have the ambition to play two or three more years. I feel fit enough still. Um, luckily, I didn't have very poor or bad injuries over the years. Um, I actually recently heard that this is my 18th year as a professional. Wow. So, you know, a lot of ups and downs, but uh, I'm very proud of, of, of yeah the, the experiences that I've experienced.
0: For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time. And that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time. For you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online.
1: talked about maybe not quite reaching your potential i mean something that comes across in the in the the lyrics of the autobiography is that it's clear you've been quite stung by some of the criticism you've received over the years um particularly at home right Um, how do you feel about that now and did writing the record kind of help you process that a little bit i guess
3: yeah so Actually, me expressing myself on a record like this, I feel like in general as football player, it's it's you have to be very careful how you express your feelings, mm. right? Because we're getting fined so quick for for expressing uh, us in the wrong way. You sure. cannot really always say how you really feel, so we have to always be political correct. And um, sometimes, um, yeah, you know, it gets frustrating, you know. Uh, um, and and I felt like uh, music was. Um, a, 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 a unique platform where i felt like i could be honest um in a in a very creative way and i felt like the need to to kind of lay down also yeah a lot of my frustrations down and um yeah the misunderstanding and and um the recognition that i felt at times that i didn't really got um, um, I had to, you know, express.
1: And on that tune, Open Letter in particular, it's almost like a roll call mm-hmm. of all the coaches at the beginning that you were under in your career. So Ronald Koeman gets a mention in there, uh, Lou Van Gaal, um you've got Danny Blint, Rafa Benitez. Yeah. How did yeah. those guys contribute to your career and what were your experiences like working yeah. with them?
3: Yeah, I mean... Um... Yeah, on 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 the on the song, of course, you know, I I um, I go in depth of of feelings and moments and and opinions that I received over the years from you know the different characters. Um, but yeah, you know, I learned so much, even if it wasn't, you know, um, it's 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 very clear that at the end I feel like you know I'm i I've i not a, I'm not a fan of Rafa Benitez, but at the mm. same time I've learned to look and see the other side of the coin of how ugly football can be if you're left out in the dark right so now experiencing Mm. those few years under him it came a few years later back at a different team but now i was able to manage it better and put myself Mm. and twist the coin in my favor again you know rather than um uh having an attitude or, or 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 behave the wrong way that it could only make it worse um so yeah you know i've I've learned from all these coaches whether it was a good time for me or, or or a bad time um so i look back at at you know at the end grateful that i was able to to play under under all these great managers
1: Benitez really splits opinion particularly here in the UK where some fans have absolutely loved him and yeah. and other, other other clubs fans have have not loved him at all. What was it that didn't click between the two of you do you think?
3: Well, well funny enough because you know I don't really wanted to make it a thing that it was only me, right? Cuz people may be going mm. to look at me crazy like you just have a thing with him, but it was actually a, a general opinion even from the players who were always playing, that he was not really, um, I feel like, uh, a people's person, right? He was not really a person who was actually managing players on a human level to also give that confidence that you felt like, you know, uh, um, that was sometimes necessary. You know, whether it was Fernando Torres or, or even Stephen Gerard at the time, you know, like, you know, they they will tell yourself like, they also had an odd relationship in the way he was managing them right so it was not only me um however tactically i have no nothing negative to say because that time technically it worked very well you know he was very clear and how he also with him analyzing opponents it was always very clear on how we wanted to play and, and us as team were able to execute it and that's why he was so successful at times um, but sometimes, you know, especially with younger players and, and you see it now, nowadays, managers are more invested in younger players in talent. And then you see also you can get the best out of them more, you know, you can, you can take a 10, 20% more out of their potential. And that was something that I felt like I needed maybe also because I couldn't discover it myself. And then sometimes you needed that little push and I felt like I didn't get that push from yeah, uh, beneath this in this particular time.
1: So the second part of your career has been very, very different to the first because when you go to Al Ain, maybe people aren't expecting you to come back to Europe because yeah. when players go out to yeah. the, the the Middle East or the Far East, people don't expect them to come back. What made you go in the first place, and what made you come back?
3: Yeah, so well, actually, I mean, it's it's it's. I don't have to. Uh, you know, uh, dwell around it. But the the main reason was financially. Um, Mm. I was... um, uh, So at one point, if you go take it a step uh, back earlier, uh, I was dropped from national team. And Mm. after that, the the few years before I went to uh, the Emirates, I was trying to fight to come back in national team. And at times I felt like I deserved a chance, but I didn't get the chance. Mm. So then at one point... I switched the button. I was like, you know what? Forget national team. I'm just going to follow my heart and think what I should do for myself and my family long-term. And in this case, um, yeah, you know, I got this opportunity to go there. Um, it was, uh, you know, close to Dubai. It was, of course, you know, uh, it's, I guess, I don't know if you have been to Dubai, but of course it's a beautiful place to, to, to live and, and, and be. Um, so to, to, yeah, To be able to play there was for me a new experience. Um, They compensated me at that time very well. So I was like, hey, Mm. why not? Let's just go, you know? And um, that was the main reason why I went.
1: So what made you come back to Europe then? What made you think that, you know, I've got unfinished business and I'm going to go and do this?
3: So I signed a two-year contract, um, but um, unlucky enough after uh, three, four months, being at the club, my career was there already over. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. So uh, I, I uh, there were a few incidents that occurred. Um, so at the end, they let me know like, Hey Ryan, you know, um, we are sorry, but uh, you know, you have to call your agent because, you know, we have to find a situation that you, you know, leave the team. Um, so again, I was there, you know, for three, four months and I signed a two year contract. So now I'm like, okay, so how are we going to do this? Right. So, uh, eventually i i stayed and played for 7 months um wow. and then in the summer in the summer uh from that season after uh my agent was you know uh, able to get me out of the contract and and now it was like okay you know i'm i'm i think i was 29 mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. time um and yeah that was a, a time of of like um anxiety and i was very nervous because yeah you know teams didn't really were uh standing in line to to sign me even though I was a free transfer. I didn't play for 7 months and then people felt like yeah, like you mentioned, coming from there like hmm, you're not sure if he's still like football. Um but uh, at the end I was lucky. Um the Spanish team Deportivo La Coruña reached out and asked about me. Uh, they were in need of an attacker. I was a free agent and um yeah, you know, they gave me a chance to join the team and, and I was able to to refine myself in a very short time. I uh, think I scored five goals in, in nine games. And, and and then after staying at the club for only a few months, because the January window, I had an opportunity to go join Besiktas in Turkey. I was playing Champions League at mm-hmm. the time. So now I joined Besiktas, playing Champions League, doing well. And all of a sudden, I'm all the way there again within a yeah. year time frame from not knowing how my future was going to be, if I was going to find a football team, to a year later playing Champions League football again. Like, that was crazy. And with Champions League football doing well, now the Dutch media is writing about me again, like, oh, he's doing well, He should get a chance in national team. And now, age 30, I, I, I come back in Dutch national team.
1: And so if you look at, especially that second part of your career, the recurring themes are three separate spells in Turkey, and you end up having three separate spells with Ajax as well. I mean, I, I guess yeah. Amsterdam is home, so that's, that's part of it. But what continually draws you back to, to Ajax and to Turkey, do you think?
3: Um, well, I feel like um, the, the way I felt, I feel still uh, appreciated here uh, in this country, Turkey, was for me always a good reason to come back. Mm. uh personally i feel more appreciated here than than actually back home even though that yeah that right. sounds crazy um uh, so that was the main reason for coming back to turkey or always trying to find yeah opportunities back here in turkey um um the two reasons that i went back to ajax were two total different reasons The the first time that i went back was um obviously trying to get back in national team this was 2012. Mm um even after a, a a good season became champion at that time um I still didn't got you know a chance to 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 play and, and show myself again uh but the last time was had actually to do with me um uh, uh playing in front of the public eye because it was it was in preparation to the euros at that time yeah. who was still a, a, a year earlier 2020. Still in
1: 2020 2020 yeah
3: Yes. So I was like, hey, if I am going to play in a good team, a good Ajax team, which similarly similarity plays as the Dutch team, then I can be already in that system. And then at the end of that season, which at that time I was, you know, in a starter 11 in the Dutch national team under Ronald Koeman, it would have been, you know, one plus one is plus two. And then I can roll into a, a good form into the Euros. Mm. Well, unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. The, the we got Corona, the Euros got uh, set. You know, a year later, mm. and yeah, you know, obviously that that had a big impact on 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 my uh, my journey for yeah, you know, the national team particularly.
1: And it had a big impact on the Netherlands in general, didn't it? Because yes. Ronald Koeman went off to to Barcelona. Do you kind of look back? Do you and some of the other players look back on that and think of what could have been if? the the Euros it actually happened when it was meant to yeah
3: definitely definitely I mean we were at that moment we were in in the elevator up you know we we had rebuilt a new wave um, you know how they described it in Holland um, mm. yeah Ronald Koeman brought life back into Dutch football um, and and yeah we were doing well you know we were doing well so uh, everyone had confidence um, this was of course before everyone had all these injuries, Virgil van Dijk and then Memphis mm. and et cetera. Um, so yeah, you know, we were, we, yeah, we would unfortunately never find out what could have happened if the Euros was, you know, in 2020. Um, but um, yeah, you know, that's sometimes, that's football.
1: And obviously, um, your third spell at Ajax, got cur- curtailed for that reason, as, as you were saying. But you must have got a closer look all of Europe has been amazed by Ajax under Eric Ten Hag over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Being an Ajax boy and knowing the club so well, what is he doing differently that's making them so powerful in Europe at the moment? Because they're doing it again this season.
3: Yeah. Um, I must say that uh, Ten Hag is, is, uh, in my opinion, a very unique coach um, in terms of the way he wants to play. Um, I feel like he modernised... Uh, a few positions, especially the fullbacks, he, he added a few extra roles to them that in certain uh, 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 in certain uh, positions of the game, they become a midfield player. And that mm. added extra value to keeping the possession. Also without the ball, the way they would press a team, uh, the fullbacks would go all the way up so that the attackers, the front three would have an extra man helping pressing up front playing in the back 1v1. Mm. Uh, not many teams, especially in England, want to risk 1v1 in the back. They always want to <laughs> make sure they keep every, everyone in the back. So, yeah, that's the the, the, the the difference, the main difference, that he is able to, you know, pick the right players and put them on the position and is able to perform that on the highest level. And you see, you know, what's happening. They They, they always... Uh, retrieve the ball back on the the final third and able to score goals there and 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 stay away from their own goal and yeah that he has done that well over the past few years
1: and and for you it's I guess it's kind of a strange season in Turkey because Trabzon are well away at the top mm-hmm. but Galatasaray and, and all the all the big three in Istanbul are struggling a, a, a little bit yeah um, of course you know Bajiktas so well as, as as well but despite the fact you're struggling domestically. You guys have had a really good season in Europe so far as well. And you're in a group with uh, Lazio, Marseille, not easy, some some big challenges. So how have you found that? Because it's almost like a Champions League group on paper, isn't it?
3: It's interesting. Um, but um, the people who have experience playing in Turkey would, would tell the same. It's actually, without being disrespectful, a little bit easier to play European games than Turkish games right um turkish games are very difficult to play um by uh the fact that the organization in a game is is, if you look at a turkish game it's 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 not really organized and really structured how it is in england or in holland for for say right so that leads into a very open game, even though on paper when you see a giant club as Galatasaray playing maybe against a bottom team, if you look mm. actually at that game, it can still be a very open game. This team can still have chances against us because they're so unorganized and that makes mm. us makes us unorganized. So, um, yeah, you know, Turkish games, Turkish league is not easy. It's a very tough league, uh, very physical. Um, and and yeah, you know the leagues in general. You know, uh, this is now my seventh year uh, having the experience playing in Turkey. Um, the top three is always actually struggling normally in the beginning of a season. They they leaving a lot of points on the table, but then they kind of like find themselves back by December, January until the end of the season. And then the the other teams who are doing well, they lose energy and and, and fall yeah. back. So. Normally, you would say, "Okay, you know, Tropson looks comfortable, but it doesn't say anything." You know, Galatasaray right. has been champion uh, a season where they was, where they were uh, more or less 19 points behind, and it was right. still, and it was already February, and they were right. still became champion. So anything can happen in Turkey. Turkish football is a lot of uh, sensation. Um, but that makes the league so so nice.
1: Finally, I, n- I know you're not mopping up your career just yet, Ryan, but if you're looking right. at the next stage, with the music coming back to the fore, right. could MLS be a possibility? You get the two things sort of moving together? I'm,
3: right. I'm definitely open-minded for MLS. I'm definitely open-minded. Um, and actually, it was already a, a kind of like... Uh, dream of me for many years to, to, to play in, in a great city in MLS. Uh, mm. Not only, not only because I think you know the, the the football there has developed over the years, but also that I have something uh, special with with America in general going on. You know, I know I have mm. a lot of friends there. Um, I go there a lot during my holiday uh, holidays. So um, yeah, you know, if if, if there's an opportunity to go there. In the future, um, I definitely uh, will consider it.
1: Well, look, thanks so much for joining us, Ryan. Um, best of luck with the record. It's fantastic, like I said.
3: Thank you.
0: Football Ramble Presents is a Stack Production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.